Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Andy, is there any way to uh, move that sun out of your face? <laughs> give like, give like, <laughs> Sorry, did you just ask me to move the sun? I just meant like, um, do you have, do you have shade? <laughs> no, no, it's the... <laughs> Son, no, it's the. Put right. that at the front of the show. Hold on. <laughs> Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day, and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny, and there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk. So, <laughs> thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 27th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio and Clizzerin. The king of the waiver wire, or perhaps this week, the Duke of dumpster diving, Andy Barron, is back <laughs> to teach the rest of us how to find gold on the waiver wire this week. I actually think maybe I, I undersold you there, Andy, because there's actually some some like banged up running backs, which is basically what the waiver wire is made for. Uh, but we'll get into all that later. Andy, my friend, my colleague, my compatriot. How you doing, buddy? Did I did I get demoted from King to Duke? Is that like is that like part of the fallout in the in the UK and the royal family right now? Is that happen? I had no idea. I, I, don't, know um, how, I don't know how I don't know how these titles work. I'm I'm still pretty unclear. I don't know how they work either, to be perfectly honest. I know King is really good. Yeah. Uh but if it's not if it's not like a chess title, I don't I got nothing. Duke of dumpster diving does sound pretty good, but I think King of the King of the Wire <laughs> is certainly a little more regal and certainly more deserving of your great status but we are going to get into the waiver claims for this week we're going to recap sunday night football as well but before oh my god talk about dumpster diving before we do all that we do have a good bit of news to get through here andy especially dealing with um some guys that there's going to be some real trickle down effects for fantasy players starting with mac jones suffered a pretty severe high ankle sprain in week three against the ravens that's according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero and many others. Um, look, you know, Scott and I have said on the recap show, I think every single week when we get to the Patriots game, it's like you could pretty much kind of write off most of this offense for fantasy. Um, having said that, though, you know, Devontae Parker's coming off a big game uh, in kind of stepping up with Jacoby Myers out. Ramondre Stevenson looked like he had really started to put some gap, maybe not a gap between him and Damian Harris, but it put himself on the usability map. This Mac Jones injury really puts a cloud because he's probably going to miss I mean maybe up to four weeks with this injury really kind of puts a, a dark cloud over this offense we already didn't feel very good about 
Yeah, his own reaction to the injury told you pretty much everything, right? Wasn't putting weight on it. Looked like he was in absolute agony. So that was so that was rough. This is mostly the reason why we're not actually going to be talking about any Patriots receivers on this podcast, even though even though Devontae's coming off a 10 target game. That's nice. But it was without Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers still probably the best bet here. But, you know, you downgrade a quarterback situation that already wasn't perfect. Um, They probably just lean on the running game as much as as game flow allows them to. That running game is now, I mean, essentially it was just they they split series, right? Um, like however however it looks in terms of snaps and touches and all that, like Harris would get one series, Stevenson would get the next series, Harris would get the next series. So like you need to, you need to basically, um, I, I'm probably going to have them back to back or really close to it in ranks for a while. Yeah, Packers up next, then Lions, Browns, and Bears for the Patriots over their next four games. I mean, there's some there's some like matchups in there right i mean we would love to play some yeah. some of these guys as like sleepers uh in the receiver core or even just these running backs straight up against the lions the browns defense has been a little disappointing uh through the first three weeks as well uh, you know the bears are certainly a gettable matchup and the packers i think have been a little hit or miss but i mean brian hoyer by the way is the backup quarterback for what feels like the 20th time for the new england patriots yeah. i mean is brian hoyer just actually the quarterback's coach on this team Pro- probably right he probably has as much right to be the quarterback coach as like joe <laughs> judge or whatever but um yeah that this i don't know brian hoyer came in the last time we saw him wasn't it he, he might be the most qualified play caller on this team honestly shoot you're not wrong um I whatever, man. I, I like I said, we're not really that interested in the pass catchers at this point, anyways. Jacoby Myers will get back, and he'll probably still dominate the target share. I don't, I don't see Brian Hoyer yeah. flinging some of those contested balls down the field that Mac Jones was throwing to Devontae Parker. Like it is a real shame for Mac Jones because I think he was coming off his best game of the season. If he, even if he made some boneheaded mistakes, he's still like got out of the pocket on a good amount of these, like actually moved around a good bit, you know, shot those deep balls to Parker. So it really is a bummer for the New England Patriots offense. We will stay in the AFC East for our next one here. Jets head coach Robert Sala said he's expecting Zach Wilson to return in week four. Look, I don't know what you're already laughing. I don't know what Zach Wilson is going to do (laughs) when he comes back, but it's enough already with Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Flacco leads the NFL in pass attempts. It's 2022. Joe Flacco's dropping back to pass like 50 plus times. We've seen about all we need to see from Flacco. Um, I don't know if Zach Wilson's going to come in here and save Elijah Moore's fantasy season or keep the Garrett Wilson train going. But I I know that I'm ready to figure that out as opposed to continuing to see this offense, which is basically like one read, get rid of the ball uh, for Joe Flacco. Yeah, I agree with all that. I I do think that we have to remember some of the things that that Wilson just simply didn't do well last year. And he's, you know, really young second season. Maybe he will do them well this year. Uh, That's still possible. But guy couldn't throw a screen pass to save his life last year. That was a struggle. I don't know that the targets that have been going to like Tyler Conklin are going to be there uh, when uh, when Wilson is back. So and that's a guy that people are asking about because tight end is such a total minefield and he's seeing eight, nine, 10 targets a week. Um, but I don't know that you can trust that moving forward. So it can't get it can't get worse for Elijah Moore. That's a weird thing to say, because I think he's played well and I think he's got himself yes, he open and he even had a, a you know, a, f- a fair target total in week three. But, you know, from the perspective of somebody who's got him on a few rosters, like it's not translating into any real fantasy noise to this point. But 
So there's so there's no reason why that would get worse, right? Like he's not gonna he's not gonna play worse. He's healthy right now. So maybe it gets better with uh with Zach Wilson. Zach Zach Wilson certainly has like we've talked about it before. He's got a bunch of traits that you want to see in a in your starting quarterback. He just hasn't put it together in any sort of meaningful way. Yeah. Joe Flacco right now, he's got five point eight yards per attempt. And again, like I said, he is throwing a lot of passes. Yeah. So this is just shows what it's been so far. Mitch Trubisky's like in this area. Oddly enough, Kyler Murray is is in this area too in terms of yards per attempt. And then Dak Prescott, who you know obviously barely didn't even make it through Week One. So we certainly need more juice out of this Jets offense. And I'll say this for watching the Jets passing game, like charting Garrett Wilson, charting Elijah Moore, like being really invested in these guys and their future success. This is a, a passing game that really wants to attack intermediate and deep. I, and to the point, actually, that I think they kind of need to dial that back a little bit. You know, this is an this is, looks like an offense that was designed for Joe Flacco 15 years ago or like the player that, that <laughs> Zach Wilson should be right. Like a guy who yeah. wants to get the ball down the field. I think they they need to invite and incentivize more layups for the quarterback in this offense. Like for certainly for Elijah Moore. I mean, that stands out when you watch more versus when you watch Garrett Wilson, like Garrett Wilson's getting those slot routes and he's really tough to cover in there. There's a reason they're putting him there, but you know, Elijah Moore is getting like all and Elijah Moore is a guy who played almost exclusively in the slot in college, but now he's like running vertical X receiver routes against press coverage on a snap by snap basis. So I, I don't know how this offense changes with Wilson, but it, I'm certainly to the point where we need we need to see it. We need to figure out about Zach Wilson. We we've figured out what the Flacco experience is, and like 5.8 yards per attempt is not going to cut it. He's Wilson has got to be able to take like the the cheap and easy stuff that they give you to the running backs, though, right? Like that was yes, it was just such a weird problem for him last year because it's not it's not an issue that you think most quarterbacks are going to have, but like I, you know who was it? Mike White was crushing it on like little screen passes to Michael Carter. Yep. Um, and that results in a lot of just free yards for a quarterback and, and Wilson could not, or would not hit that stuff. So, um, even, you know, a, a little bit of growth there would go a long way. Yeah. I think the fact that we've missed so many game reps for Zach Wilson is, is what's a shame here. Um, hopefully during his time away, he watch that watch Mike White tape I don't know I mean my god what what are we talking about here <laughs> um, <laughs> what a thing to say yeah um next news item we got NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that oh god Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater suffered a ruptured biceps tendon in week three and is expected to be out for the season obviously we're going to talk Chargers in great detail on Eckler's Edge tomorrow but Andy, I mean, I, geez, I hope Austin's in a, in a, in a good mood tomorrow. We'll, we'll see. Um, but this Chargers team is extremely banged up, starting with Slater, who is, you know, one of the key pieces they couldn't lose. Andy, right now, the, Daniel Popper from The Athletic put this out this morning. So to recap for the Chargers, their quarterback, fractured rib cartilage, their all pro center, knee injury, all pro left tackle, likely to miss the season with a torn bicep. Their number one receiver has a strained hamstring. Their top pass rusher has a groin injury. Their top cornerback is not responding as expected from an ankle surgery. So, Andy, things are not looking good with the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Yeah, if you like without regard to specific names, if you were to just put together a list of positions that basically no team in the NFL can just replace midseason, right? It's it looks something like left tackle, edge rusher, corner, quarterback, right? Like it's alpha receiver. Yeah. It's everybody who's hurt right now uh, for the Chargers. And some of these are pretty significant injuries. So uh, like the the situation with Herbert 
we shouldn't think of as a as a one week thing, right? Because I don't, I don't know if people have had that injury or something close to it, but it's super painful, and it's also one of those injuries where you don't know what exactly is going to make it hurt, right? And and then to be without one's left tackle, like a a left tackle of of this quality for the for the full season, it it's just brutal. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about this entire division as if it was just such an arms race and they all, you know, they all, they all ramped up in, in terms of talent. And, and now that, I mean, the Broncos are super disappointing and the chargers are just this, they're sort of smoldering ruins right now. That's maybe that's a little bit extreme. Don't let Austin hear that. Um, but this is, I don't, <laughs> the Raiders, I don't the Raiders are the only Owen three team in the NFL. The, the Texans haven't won a game because yeah. they tied against the Colts, but they're the only Owen three team in the NFL right now. I don't know how this is recoverable for the for the Chargers. Like these are just not positions that you know you can you can just replace in the middle. Of, certainly yeah. left tackle. This is not something that you can just patch together in the middle of a season. Especially because their right tackle position was considered. It was like okay when you look at their offensive line, they have one glaring weak spot. Like the right tackle position was a, a battle between Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, and like one of those guys is probably going to have to kick to left tackle at this point, right? Like Storm Norton got on the field when Rayshon Slater went out of this game, so it's it's a, it's pretty rough. Obviously, like I said, we'll talk to Austin about this. The the good the the silver lining here from like a, a fantasy angle is that Keenan Allen sounds like he was relatively close-ish or close adjacent to playing in this game. I mean, well, th- nice of the Chargers to do one thing from a medical standpoint, right? Like, <laughs> let's just not rush Keenan Allen back out there. Yeah. And Andy, I know you were super bullish on Keenan Allen coming into this year. And uh, my God, like my takeaway watching them yesterday and watching them even just honestly through the last like this entire season, it, they need him so badly. Desperate, because glaring need for Keenan Allen. <laughs> yeah, this, absolutely. This, off- this offense is it's disgusting. The design of the offense is awful. Uh, I, I was kind of complaining about this even last year where they just they have Justin Herbert just throwing these short passes over and over again. And he's like Justin Herbert. By the way, Jalen Guyton, we also found out right before we started recording, one of their only guys with speed is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Not that Jalen Guyton's like a fantasy star or anything like that, but he at least like when he's on the field, you got to respect the vertical, the vertical part of his game. You know, I I really like Mike Williams as a player, but he's not a separation guy. Josh Palmer, I, I don't know about. I don't think Josh Palmer has it. Like I don't. He's not a guy that gets open either. Like so, Justin Herbert throwing a bunch of six and seven yard, um, pass. Honestly, lucky if he has a seven yard a dot pass to a bunch of dudes who don't get open. And by the way, they're playing Sony Michelle, who they signed on Christmas Eve at the freaking football season, a ton of snaps <laughs> like over uh over Austin Eckler. So I, I don't know, man. I, I'm I've got. Again, I'll, I'll I'll go over some of this with Austin tomorrow. Maybe I won't tell him that like I think the offensive his offensive design is disgusting. It's not his fault, but um, I do think that man, it's I'm just getting a little nervous about the entire like Chargers coaching operation. What's going on there? And and this season it is, certainly is doesn't feel like the bit. highest and best use of Justin Herbert's talents nor Austin Eckler's no. talents, right? Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like I think the baseline of good coaching is. Do you put your players in position to succeed? Do you put your players in a position that accentuates their best talents? Mm-hmm. Do I think the Chargers through the first two weeks have done that? Hell no. And I again, I think you could argue that they didn't even do that last year when they, I mean, almost made the playoffs. And that's the best you could say yeah. about them. So not an ideal situation for the LA Chargers right now. I mean, I don't know what you're doing from a fantasy angle other than maybe I do think Keenan Allen, like if, if somebody's frustrated, like maybe try to trade for him because I think they really will need him, especially because 
he's at least he's a quick separation guy that gets open on those short passes. And they're probably going to throw more short passes now that they're starting left tackles out for the season. A thing that we've talked about before is that Keenan Allen was in for a pretty big week one, too, right? Yes. Like that was definitely happening. He was four quick catches, um, plenty of yardage. That guy, I mean, the over the last, I, I want to say it's over the last five years, uh, an average Keenan Allen season is like 102 catches for 1,180 yards. Um, and he's only, he's only come up short of 100 catches once, and that was like a 97 catch season, right? Like he is just metronomically consistent at a position that isn't really known for it and where you can't really expect it. So I, I like, I, I guess it's good that they kept him out. It sure seemed like he was going to be good to go. He'd, I want to say that he he practiced at least in some capacity every day last week. So he's got to be close and they clearly need him. Not that he's going to not that he's going to fix everything about this offense. But, you know, if, if we're talking about an offense that is going to throw a lot of six and seven yard passes, this is bread and butter stuff for Keenan Allen. And he's one of the best to do it. Justin Herbert right now ranks eighth in average time to throw at almost two point eight seconds. And he ranks twenty seventh in air yards per pass attempt, 6.6. That is a, that is a bad combo when you're, when you've got to hold the ball for a while and you're not able to do a lot deep, that's not good. So we'll see what happens with the chargers. Again, obviously we will talk about it in greater detail tomorrow on Eckler's edge. Another piece of bad news from an injury standpoint, Lions head coach Dan Campbell said today that DeAndre Swift could possibly benefit by taking the next two weeks off to help his shoulder heal, then return after Detroit's bye week uh, to play on October 23rd against the Dallas Cowboys. Scott asked me last night, Andy, where I would have like DeAndre Swift in my rest of season rankings before before this. Like if we redrafted today, where would I take DeAndre Swift? And despite like Jamal Williams looking good as the goal line back, having a great game in week three, I said if injuries weren't a factor, I think he'd still be like a early second round pick. Obviously, injuries are a big factor here for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, this is this is tough. Um, Jamal Williams is not a guy that we're going to talk about in the pickups today. But he is available in like a third of Yahoo leagues, and he pretty clearly should be uh, should be rostered across the board, right? Like he's, and that's without without regard to to the Swift situation because they love running Jamal Williams like inside the five, um, and and he's good at it. Um, he's clearly going to have a, a huge share of of the backfield touches. So Jamal Williams probably going to be a thing all season. I feel like, you know, I don't I don't even mean this as a victory lap. It's just it was a conversation that I had during a couple of different drafts. I was pretty consistently taking Nick Chubb ahead of DeAndre Swift, which I think was not which apparently was not chalk because I I No, I would have I would have gone the complete opposite direction. So good of you to call this out. I was I was getting some grief for it and um you know, like I, DeAndre Swift's played really well. Like DeAndre Swift's had a bunch of really nice moments this season and is a very good player. That that w- that decision was always much more about like my personal uh, uh, ranking and opinion on Nick Chubb, who I think is just about as good as it gets with the ball in his hands. I, you know, it's a problem the way they get him the ball a lot of the time, but I, there there are a few better um, doing it right now. So that little that little rankings tweak might um, might serve me well over the course of the full season, but. Uh, you know, anyway, that's just me kind of patting myself on the back for something ridiculous. Swift has looked great. Um, but yeah, like I, there was the issue that we've discussed earlier, uh, or that we've discussed on, on prior pods about Swift, not necessarily being that like eight, nine target a game guy, but it hasn't really mattered because he's been, he's been plenty explosive. This offense is really fun. And listen, if this is just a two week thing, that's fine. Most running backs are going to miss at least two games. 
Yeah, and honestly, you could argue that it's good that Campbell's even just like it might benefit him to take a couple, like yeah. take a couple of w- weeks, right? Because as much as Dan Campbell, you know, wants to be competing and like you know this team plays really hard for for Dan Campbell and all that sort of stuff, I think the Lions, you know, deep down know they're not going to win the damn Super Bowl this year, right? Like <laughs> this is a team that's building something; they're building towards like maybe being a really really good team in twenty three and twenty four. Yeah, there's really no need to have DeAndre Swift like grind it out when he's already banged up because he looked he looked awesome in week one. He looked like a transformed player from a running perspective, like he had taken to that coaching from Deuce Staley in the offseason and had become like a new type of player. So might be honestly good news for Jamal Williams, though, gets the Seahawks this coming week, the Patriots after that, which that could be like a close grinded out type of game with Brian Hoyer as the starting quarterback for the Patriots. And then maybe DeAndre Swift is back for the Cowboys game after their bye week. Um, so yeah, I think actually Williams is Williams is potentially going to be ranked as like a top. What would you say? Top 15 ish back. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I, I think he's pretty clearly inside the top 20. I haven't done my rankings yet, but it's hard to imagine, even though, not. you know, the buys haven't kicked in yet. It's tough to imagine that he's not going to be a top 20 running back. Cause these, as you say, these, these next couple games for Detroit, like the run is going to be in play in all likelihood. All right, let's get our shovels out to to shovel through some muck here for Sunday night football. Should there should there not be a minimum quality standard that a game has to meet before we discuss it? Like do do we not have to curate things for ourselves in any way here? We just we just go ahead and talk through this 11-10 game, okay? We we must, Andy, we must. Uh Broncos <laughs> you know, 11 I watch- like I watch Iowa football on Saturdays, okay? So like I should not be expected to to watch or comment on 11 to 10 professional games. I see enough of that. Fair fair enough. <laughs> but I'm going to make you do it anyways. <laughs> because this because I think this game was really like a revealing moment for both teams and like we should have a lot of clarity about where these teams are, which by the way, this game is 11 to 10. It should have been a tie, okay? Like this, not that we, <laughs> not that we needed to see any more of it. Not that we needed to see it go to overtime and like let's decide that this is a tie. I think we all should have just agreed this should be a tie and we can move on from it. It was rough. It's one of those games that coming out of it. I don't know how either team feels very good about itself. And I'll start with Denver before we go to the 49ers. Russell Wilson after the game talking about like in the post game interview, Oh, this is like championship football. Oh my God, dude. No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel good about the Broncos at all. And you talked about, you know, feeling pretty good about yourself for having like Nick Chubb over Deandre Swift. I feel really good about being one of, I felt like one of the only people in the fantasy industry being like, I'm not sure this is going to work or at least get off to a good start with the Broncos. It has, it's, it's, it's not been good. And, and, Andy, my takeaway coming out of that game, Russell Wilson is not as good as he used to be. This These pass catchers are not as good as everybody wanted you to believe. And I don't know if anybody felt like Nathaniel Hackett was going to bring anything to the table except possibly recruiting Aaron Rodgers there. Um, but if he is going to bring something to the table, we sure have not seen it through the first three weeks. Yeah, well, Hackett has already directly lost them one game, right? Like you can you can yes. put that you can put that fully on the coaches. Um Maybe we talked ourselves into this idea that somehow Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were going to be comparable or roughly equivalent to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And perhaps they just aren't. Um, uh, Judy in particular had 
a bunch of opportunities to make. And I think Judy's fine. Like the week before, yeah. he was really good, but you know, he had a bunch of opportunities to make plays in week three and didn't make any of them. Um, that was a that was a small concern. The line seemed terrible. And then we're at a point right now with Wilson, and it was one of the it was one of the probably the biggest questions, the biggest fantasy questions in the NFL coming into this season, whether Wilson would would choose to be like a proactive runner at this stage of his career because he wasn't last year he's averaging seven rushing yards a game now and it's not like it's not like he can't do it it's not like he can't escape the pocket when necessary it's not like he isn't mobile but if if he's not going to be proactive about it um you know he's he's pretty much Derek Carr um yeah <laughs> there's not like there's not a lot separating him right except that maybe he doesn't have a receiver of Devontae Adams quality and he doesn't have Darren Waller right like he's he's just in the same situation as a bunch of the other quarterbacks that we that we rank every week between like QB 13 and QB 20 right like if he's he's got to run for 40 or 45 yards a week to give himself that uh, that fantasy floor that we'd grown accustomed to or he's got to be an absolutely special passer which perhaps at this stage he's not I hate to I hate to think that but um, you know, it wasn't, it, I mean, it was a really ugly game. It was a horrendous game on both sides. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And just to stay on the Denver thing here, um, this is a little bit of like psycho analyzing Russell Wilson, which is not something I really look forward to doing. Um, but it almost felt in a way like, like when he actually got off script a little, like made a guy miss in the pocket, like scrambled a little bit on the final drive. It's like, that's when the offense kind of started to do some stuff. I mean, it was, yep. it's really just like only, and the only stuff they can really do is like throw to Cortland Sutton. And I, I Sutton's fine for fantasy. He's not going to have any sort of ceiling. I don't think he's going to have a decent floor because he's like the only reliable guy in, in the passing game right now. Like if anyone else were to emerge beyond him and Judy, I think Sutton would really start to sink. But that's a whole that's a hypothetical world that we don't have to deal with. I, I think that Russ, he's talked about this publicly, like that he wants to be viewed as like a Drew Brees, Peyton Manning type of quarterback. And he's not. But like that, I think I swear that I think that's part at least partially that. And also like he's we all get older. We all get less athletic as we age. That's part of it for Russ, too. But I swear to God, that's part of like why he's not scrambling and that type of stuff, because he wants to be he wants to win a certain way. And he's got a coach right now who the only good thing you like every time somebody talks about Aaron Rodgers and how much you like Nathaniel Hackett, it's like, ah, you know, Rodgers just loved it. Like he can he could, uh, you know, he wouldn't take offense to stuff. And he loved like talking Jeopardy with him. It's like, I don't who cares about that? Like <laughs> Nito, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is not on this team. It's like show me Seriously. one good thing. Show me one good thing about Nathaniel Hack as a football coach. But um, it, it also bothers me too. But and then we'll move on to the 49ers. That fantasy folks are still like upset about the Melvin Gordon Javante Williams split. You gotta like stop letting that bother you because it just is what it is. And oh by the way, it's like tenth on the list of problems in Denver right now. <laughs> They've got a lot of other stuff to figure out before they uh, before they start thinking about maybe we should change the touches for the running backs. This this team right now in Denver has lost to Geno Smith, got outdueled by Geno yeah. Smith in week one, barely, barely beat a Houston Texans Davis Mills operation and lost to a team in or barely won one point, a one point victory over a team in week three where the starting quarterback looked like he was actively trying to pee down his leg the entire game. And we can I mean, they, they literally won the game because Jimmy Garoppolo stepped out of bounds in the end zone. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, like that so, is that is the winning margin of this game. That is that is why they won. Let us transition to those San Francisco 49ers because 
I mentioned that was my big takeaway in my recap article for the Denver Broncos. My big takeaway about the 49ers was I don't know what would have happened with Trey Lance. Like that's obviously an unknown. We have no idea how he would have played, whatever. We don't know how that story would have played out, but I don't want to hear a single <laughs> whisper a thought that like Jimmy Garoppolo is some type of savior for this team. Because let me tell you what, Andy, with Jimmy back there, you know, what's still a part of the offense plays getting left on the field and yeah. mind numbing backbreaking mistakes. As you mentioned, he did the Dan Orlovsky. I mean, Orlovsky's on Twitter five seconds after that play talking about he's, he's been redeemed. He's free. And <laughs> Shout out to Dan Orlovsky for that. But Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the type of company you're keeping now. Yeah, that was, that was br- like if if one of your problems with Trey Lance was that he did you know he, he missed some throws. I mean, how many throws did Jimmy miss last night, right? And that and that goes back years. Like that wasn't like a one off game for Jimmy Garoppolo, and and he's been fine. But to think of him as somebody where I don't know, nobody should have talked the, themselves into a place where they they seriously thought that that perhaps the Niners passing game would function better with Jimmy Garoppolo. He didn't have more than two touchdown passes in any game last year. Like he's just not a he's just not a ceiling play at all. Um, we can go back to the you know Super Bowl, not to not to drag that into the memories of Niners fans, but that was a game that like. Mahomes wins that game with either team. He he would have take, taken either roster to to that Super Bowl title, right? Like I I mean Jimmy Jimmy just leaves a lot of plays on the field. Um that is that is that was not an unusual game from him. That is the w- with the exception of just sort of stepping out of the end zone when he wasn't even really forced to right. step out of the back of the end zone. Um like the rest of that but game that was pick, just sort that, of a, that pick to that picky through at the end of the game. That I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo throw that pick 50 yeah. times. That was just a typical Jimmy Garoppolo game. Like that's what you're going to get a lot of. Um, and and it was against a somewhat frisky defense and all that. Um, but that you know that game is well within the range of outcomes for Jimmy every time he steps on a field. As we're recording this, uh, Kyle Shanahan told reporters that left tackle Trent Williams, who we saw him get hurt last night, will be sidelined quote some time due to a high ankle sprain. So your frenetic quarterback is going to now play without, you know, the the best offensive lineman in pro football. So, not great. Not great. Um I think um, we know what Jeff the deal Wilson with the looked pretty good. Are. Jeff Wilson looked fine. Yeah. Like Jeff Wilson looks like he can go ahead and be a thing for the next 6 weeks. He looked good. Nobody's nobody's threatening him right now. That's the one nice thing I'll say about the Niners. That is the one nice thing you could say about the Niners and and other than that, I think like Debo is a super volatile receiver too who you need him to like score rushing touchdowns, not what you want. Ayuk is like a a volatile wide receiver 3. And that's that on that. And I mean, Jimmy will have better games, but these games will always be in the range of outcomes for Jimmy, which is why he's no like game manager or anything like that. Give me a break. Uh, Wow. What a disgusting game. I think we need to take a quick break. (laughs) Recoup uh, before we get into the waivers here. 30 minutes into the podcast. We haven't even talked waivers yet. I'm I'm off to a rock start uh, here. Andy and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our waiver picks of the week. Searching for NBA playoff coverage. We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. 
All right. Let's get into this, Andy. We've got some guys to talk about this week. Let's start with running backs. As you mentioned, there are a lot of guys who are, you know, available in what you have on the outline over 50%. You know, your Brian Robinsons, your Jamal Williams, your Alexander Madisons. Obviously, if they're on your wire, these are, you you know, that you they should be they should not be they should be on rosters yeah um we and listen dalvin cook may end up playing next week but he he suffered a, a shoulder injury we've had this fire drill so many times like alexander madison should be should be rostered by someone somewhere he's he's a little bit over 50 percent rostered right now it should be something like 80 or 85 because we I mean, we just know he's a good player. He's not Dalvin Cook necessarily, but but 90, 95% of Dalvin Cook, yeah, he can do that. Yeah, like I feel like Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, these guys should be on like 100% of rosters because uh, anytime yeah. the starter goes down, like we these guys are proven players. They can be like top 15 running backs like we talked about with Jamal Williams at the top. Um, Khalil Herbert, is he in that group of players too? Uh, David Montgomery is day-to-day according to Matt Eberflus. Yeah, listen, th- this is a this is a position where we're we're going to talk about a bunch of names, but there's but Khalil Herbert is the one name that I would that I would get aggressive on uh, uh, in, in terms of waivers this week, and we don't we don't exactly know what the timeline is going to be for David Montgomery. It looked like a pretty significant injury when it happened. I, I believe the team has clarified that it's an ankle issue. I don't know as we speak if it's a high ankle issue, if it's a regular old ankle issue or whatever it is, but like he was ruled out very, very quickly, um, appeared to be in, in pretty significant pain when it happened. Montgomery has a history of, of, and it's earned him a lot of credibility with the team of coming back very quickly from injuries that seem like they might keep him out for a while. There was the, that last year he had the groin injury that we thought was going to be a multi-week thing. And then it wasn't, um, like he's, you know, he's battled back from some stuff um Khalil Herbert's good um yeah he's probably you know if I said that uh that Alexander Madison was 90 or 95 percent of Dalvin Cook Khalil Herbert might be like 101 or 102 percent of David Montgomery right like he's he's just he's just pretty good um at least as a rusher I I would say that David Montgomery probably brings a little bit more to the passing game than Khalil Herbert has but you're right. Like as a rusher, I saw Adam Levitan put this out uh, today. Khalil Herbert's played at least 30 snaps in an NFL game five times. The rushing results, and again, it's key to note, this is only rushing. 18 carries, 75 yards. 19 carries, 97 yards and a touchdown. 18 carries, 100 yards. 23 carries, 72 yards. 20 carries, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Like so, yeah, he gets it done. He, had the, he had the big rushing performance against the Bucks defense last year. And granted, it was kind yes. of a one-sided game. But, you know, nobody got to 100 yards against the Bucks last year. But Khalil Herbert had a day against them. So he's good. The The first touchdown he scored against Houston was one of the was one of the week's best plays. Like, that was just a great, great run. Um, so he's somebody who can give you exactly what you thought you were going to get from David Montgomery, if not a little bit more. Um, he's got the Giants next week. He's got Minnesota the week after that. Those are not defenses that you necessarily need to stay away from, right? And they are defense. I mean, I, I was going to say the run should be in play, but it, it appears the Bears are just going to keep the run in play all season, right? And they're they're not going to let Justin Fields drop back more than 20 times a game. So it doesn't really matter the way the game is going. The Bears are going to try to run the ball 40 times. Um, so Herbert's just in a wonderful situation. Um, and I I would I have to imagine that when when Montgomery comes back, this should be something close to a 50 50 split. There's just, there's just not a lot separating these two players. Um, so Herbert is someone where like, if I have a desperate need, I'm zero and three right now, I'm one and two. Um, I'm, I'm staring at some really icky names on my bench in terms of running back options. 
I may not go all in on Khalil Herbert, but I'm, it, it's going to be more than 50% of, of my acquisition budget on him because I, I think he's really good. And I think he's going to have a role for the rest of the season. I think he's, I think he's much better than any of the other names that I'm going to talk about here. Justin Fields has dropped back 66 times this year, Andy. 66 Like, Joe times. Flacco has probably dropped back like 160 times, right? 165. 100 yeah, more dropbacks for, for, for Joe Flacco. The other guy, only guys that are in the same galaxy as Justin Fields right now. Jimmy Garoppolo, we just mentioned, who started one game. And Cooper Rush, <laughs> who if he drops back 19 times tonight, is going to have the same amount of dropbacks as uh, Justin Fields this year. And of course, obviously, we know Cooper Rush hasn't played. He played one full game. I'm good. God. Yeah. So the Bears boomer offense will keep Khalil Herbert and the rushing game <laughs> on the field if he is the starter. <laughs> Andy, the Bears are two and one, bro. And and like, do you even feel good about that? There, there is a certain sort of uh, there's a certain sort of Bears fan. It's not every Bears fan. It's not even a majority of Bears fans. But there, there is a certain sort of Bears fan within my circle of friends who loves winning this way loves sure. winning this way um you know defense making timely plays even though it's not a great defense running the ball no matter the game situation like i don't know going going run heavy against green bay when you when you were down and everything was hopeless was just that was really something but that is clearly going to be in place all year they're just simply not going to let justin fields and listen justin fields did not look good in week three. no um i can almost always find something in a justin fields game where i was like wow that was a special play he can do some things but week three was terrible he was awful the final pick in particular was just dreadful I could understand why the Bears would get in third and long and and still just run the ball hopelessly instead of instead of giving it to Fields to try to make a play. Like it's frustrating in the moment, but I get why you do it when you're trying to win a game because he felt like a turnover waiting to happen in week three. It was really ugly. So no, I don't personally feel good about it, but there are enough people I know that are feeling good about it that I don't want to like completely dash their hopes. And, and I bet one of them is Matt Eberflus, uh, who <laughs> like probably could not care less about like developing Justin Fields or any. Oh, Izzy's Izzy's with you. Izzy's yep, Izzy's hyped yep. about the bears this year, baby. Let's go. Yeah, she is. Uh, <laughs> all right. That was, that was Izzy's way of saying, Hey, Josh Allen is two and one. Patrick Mahomes is two and one. And Justin Fields is two and one. So keep my quarterback's name out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, Izzy, my bad. I'll be a little more respectful <laughs> going forward about the, the two and one above 500. Justin Fields. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Izzy. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the rest of these dusty running backs here. And we could just be super quick about this. Samaje P. Ryan, Tyler Algier, Justice Hill, J.D. McKissick, Rex Burkhead. A ain't nothing like a And Craig Reynolds, who was all another backup running back for the Detroit Lions. A ain't no w league winners oh, man, in this my, group, right, Andy? My my dog my dog is barking about Craig Reynolds, too. Uh, Craig Reynolds had like a, like a random one-off 100-yard game last season. Remember, I think it was against Arizona um, yes. late in the year when he fell into some workload. He's, I mean, it's not going to be entirely the Jamal Williams show if DeAndre Swift misses any time. So Craig Reynolds gets a little bit interesting in very deep leagues. The one guy that I'll say from this list, and again, it was P. Ryan Algier. Hill, McKissick, Burkhead, Reynolds. Um, Justice Hill had a great run against New England. Split time basically evenly with J.K. Dobbins. I think outsnapped him maybe 29 to 26. Yeah. Um, outgained him. Obviously, that's going to be Dobbins' role uh, moving forward. But but like 
Dobbins wasn't an every snap back uh, when when he had uh, like the the breakout rookie season, right? When he was rushing yep. for six yards a carry, when he was you know when he was a thing, particularly at the end of his rookie season, he was still splitting time. So I would expect this to remain a job share. So I think Justice Hill could get interesting. They didn't mess around with Kenyon Drake in uh, in week three because he'd been so dreadful. So I, I think Justice Hill is pretty interesting here. P Ryan is the other situation that we should probably we should probably look at because obviously Joe Mixon isn't going anywhere. He wasn't great in week three um, and then picked up a little bit of an ankle thing. They've got a quick turnaround and they play on Thursday night. It sounds like Joe Mixon is going to be fine, going to be good to go. But maybe P Ryan as sort of that, you know, north south, no frills sort of runner with some receiving skills is uh, is somebody who can be relevant and pick up a handful of snaps moving forward because it it has not looked great for Joe Mixon this year, even when he's at full strength. He said no receiving skills. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he is like their third down back. Samaje P. Ryan. So bizarre. I'll never get over that. All right, Andy, let's move on to wide receivers. You've actually got um, some interesting players here. A few rookies, a few uh, veterans. You got Romeo Dobbs, Isaiah McKenzie, George Pickens, Zay Jones, Michael Gallup, and um, Raiders number one wide receiver that they spent a whole bunch of draft <laughs> capital on, Mac Hollins, on this list. I um I, I feel like the Romeo Dobbs situation in particular was just the sort of breakout game from which, you know, it, it's just going to rearrange the receiving hierarchy for Green Bay, right? Like he was truly impressive, caught every target. Um, it was the first game in which he's just basically been on the field the whole game, right? Like he'd been I had 50 some percent of the snaps week one and then 30 some percent of the snaps. But he was just he was just out there full time in uh, in week three. And he was great. He had some really nice, just just really nice. Um, uh, his ha- hands are fantastic. Um, it, just just some moments where not everybody makes that play. Um, yep. And it was it was really good to see. And they desperately needed it, right? Like Watkins, not, I mean, they desperately needed it under any circumstances, but no Sammy Watkins, no Christian Watson, absolutely needed a contribution from Romeo Dobbs. And he, he was, he was their best receiving option. So I, I feel like that's one where he's, he's hanging out there in like three quarters of Yahoo leagues. And I know this is one of those names where like the hardcore fantasy managers are like, he, he was gone in my league and, you know, July he was picked <laughs> up off the, I drafted him. I totally get it. He was really buzzy. Um, and for those of you who are paying attention, you know, like bless you for paying attention from like July through right now. But um, not everybody does that. And he is available in a ton of leagues and he should be rostered almost everywhere. I mean, he's just coming off a great game um, and he's tied to Aaron frickin Rogers. So like he for me is the is the pretty clear number one. Uh, it was great to see Isaiah McKenzie get the sort of workload that we that we thought coming into the season he might stumble into a handful of times. Um, nine targets. That was great. Um, you know, it's it's Buffalo. So anybody can find the end zone any week. McKenzie did have a little bit of trouble getting off the field um, in a situation that could have killed the clock. Uh, I don't know that I'm not saying I would have gotten off the field. Right. Like it was it was tough. He was clearly trying to. But that was the, hey man, that was that, the one that ref that ref even. Uh was was dogging it to to spike there to, yes, to get that yeah. ball spotted and yeah i i had a few people that were like in my mentions after saying like every bills player is cramping like this is football you know my 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 youth uh, football kids that i coach in texas could play th- it's like okay well clearly you've never been to south florida in september but uh that's yeah it was a it was a rough sitch i'm not gonna blame my isaiah mckenzie too much for that Exactly. So, so good game for him. Great workload to see, obviously, uh, Josh Allen throwing it a million times certainly helped, but um, it was the sort of game that we thought 
Isaiah McKenzie could, you know, we think he can string together a few of those. So that was, that was a good sign. I, I don't know what to tell you on George Pickens because, um, I mean, Mitch is his quarterback and they, they, they probably need to get to Kenny Pickett as quickly as they can. Although they've got some really difficult games, uh, uh, on the horizon. They've got Buffalo in a couple weeks and like, that's not the best spot to debut Kenny Pickett. So I don't, I don't know exactly when we finally see Kenny, I'll feel a little bit better about George Pickens when we do. Um, Pickens made the catch of the year in in week three, and I feel like that catch might hold up for the full season. Um, yeah. He's really good. Like he's a side speed player, um, good hands, crazy highlight potential. He is clearly not somebody that you could start week in and week out. He's just he's just a really exciting talent. Um, and uh, and I I feel bad not mentioning him, but I also can't tell you that you absolutely have to start him. He's a, he's a problem. I, <laughs> I get it, but he's like, he's a, on the level of the, of the sort of talents that, that just have to get rostered in fantasy leagues. Um, Zay Jones is a fun one because the Jaguars are fun. Like the Jaguars are officially yeah. a pretty fun team. They're averaging 28 points per game. They're averaging like 375 total yards per week. Um, this is, this is the quarterback that we thought Trevor Lawrence could be. Um, there's, a, there's a good team. Um, we all had jokes when they when they made all those receiver signings in the offseason and yeah they were they were shopping like in the wrong bin for the prices that they were paying but this team has been really good and uh, the receiving core is good and Zay Jones while not like an alpha receiver necessarily is a total pro and he's had some really nice moments at multiple stops and he's coming off a big game in which he caught basically all of his targets so Zay Jones is probably somebody that when we get into the bye weeks we're going to be ranking you know in the 30s I would say like he's going to oh, be a man. He's going to be a playable guy. Um, Gallup is somebody who probably not making it back for week three, but he's close. And yeah. when Michael Gallup does return, he returns as the basically the unrivaled number two on that team. That's going to be a pretty good situation with when Dak is back. And then I don't even I don't even know what to tell you on Mac Hollins. This is like a <laughs> I don't know a sixth year breakout. Is that what's happening right now? He's probably the fourth receiving option on the team. He's also seen eighteen targets over the last two weeks, and that sort of thing is really hard to ignore. He's huge, right? It's six four. Um, we're we're probably not going to see another game like week three. In fact, it, you know that, that might be a bit much. But like, I don't know how many how many eighty yard games does Matt Collins have left? Maybe none. Maybe none. But at that sort of workload, if you're in a deep enough league, I I guess I would take a shot for like a dollar. Uh, my buddy James Co put this out this morning. Week three in PPR: Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Darren Waller, DJ Moore. That's a starting lineup combined for twenty nine point nine points. Mac Hollins twenty nine point nine six points. What a wow. what a treat this game is. What a treat this game is. Seriously. So uh, yeah, a lot yeah a lot of a lot of good options there. I I think Zay Jones, man. I mean Josh Norris for some reason from Underdog Fantasies become like labeled himself as a Zay Jones guy. I didn't know that anybody <laughs> wanted to do that, but he's like, I see him taking victory laps on Zay Jones every five seconds on Twitter. What a, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Josh, but strange Hill there. Uh, but Hey, look to, to Josh's credit. He's been right. Zay Jones has been very productive and is the clear cut number two uh, receiver on an offense that, like you said, they're fun. I just think the Jaguars are verifiably good right now at this point. Um, so I'm with you that Zay Jones does make for like a bi week replacement guy every single week. I also like that every little success the Jaguars have this season is is just another reason to condemn Urban Meyer and that show yeah. of, a, of a of a coaching staff and of a team environment last year.
<laughs> an absolute nightmare. An absolute nightmare, Urban Meyer. All right, let's do quarterbacks and tight ends. Quarterbacks, like it feels like we're you're gonna have the same streamers on the on the radar pretty much every single week. Yeah, I don't have any great answers for you at quarterback, <laughs> right? Like none of the none of the none of the fun rookies or potentially fun rookies have taken over jobs just yet. Like it's I don't know. Like I I literally have Marcus Mariota at the top of this list, and Marcus Mariota is a turnover machine right now who is almost certainly gonna have to give up that job to Desmond Ritter at some point. But uh. He also runs a little bit, right? Like we, we've got a couple of rushing touchdowns on the season. We have a 72-yard rushing game, and he's the guy who right now gets to throw to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and that's a pretty good gig. Uh, he's facing a Cleveland defense that has that seems, based on the brand names on the defense, seems like it ought to be better than it's been. Um, hadn't been great, so maybe he's got an opportunity in in week four to make some fantasy noise. Again, there's a little bit of rushing upside there. Jared Goff remains on this list because Detroit has been plenty fun. He gets to throw to Amnara St. Brown, which is a great gig. Um, he's got Seattle coming up. That's not a daunting matchup. Nice, yeah. And then I and then I threw the other guy involved in that game on here because Geno Smith gets to throw. Maybe maybe they're letting him cook. Maybe they're not. I don't know. He gets to throw to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That also a good gig. I don't have any other easy answers for you here. Like long term, you can stash the rookies and hope that we get something from them later in the season, but. You know, these are just all streaming options right now. We haven't even, other than Dak, we haven't necessarily lost anybody yet that uh, that fantasy managers are desperate to replace, right? Like if you were leaning on Mac Jones, your your season was probably already cooked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, tight end, you've got David Njoku at the top, who is only 51% rostered bet. I mean, hey, I think I dropped David Njoku uh, th- this week or last week. So I'll I'll be one of those dum-dums who uh, who got in while the roster, while the snap rate and routes run rate was pretty was pretty good. I got out. Uh, tough scene for me. <laughs> um, I've got Gerald Everett uh, now. Oh, that great Chargers offense. Jelani Woods, you've also got on here. Robert Tanyan, Tyler Conklin, Evan ingram woods i think is is a little chasey andy just because he he's still totally. ran the third third most it, routes uh he's barely playing this this yeah. feels like he's just like young oj howard right like oj howard had the had the two touchdown game and we we haven't really heard from him since woods a couple of touchdowns only played 16 snaps i think he's only played like 32 snaps maybe on the season right like he's barely seeing the field but he is a giant, um, and if he if he ends up with any sort of any sort of red zone role, any sort of goal to go role, um, that would be fun. He's at least I can talk myself into the idea that Jelani Woods might actually start playing, you know, thirty snaps a game, uh, thirty five snaps a game. He could get really interesting there. But this this team just kind of spins the wheel at uh, yeah. in terms of second receiving options. I mean. I saw both of his touchdowns uh, when I was sitting with Trevor in the office uh, right after taping FFL. Uh, Trevor's our social media lead for the 99.9% of you listening to this that that don't know that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, every time Jelani Woods get in the end zone, you know, big guy, hair sticking out of the back of his own. And I'm like, oh, VCU spot. Uh, it's not Wally Cox. It's Jelani Woods, who did go to the the University of Virginia. Shout out Charlottesville. There we go. Um, the other guy that is really interesting on this list is Evan Ingram, who, um, by the way, another. Weird I'm thing still about Evan- so sore that Evan Ingram lost that touchdown. I'm still yeah. I'm still not convinced that it needed to be taken away. Like yeah. perhaps re- replay review has gone too far. I didn't see it. I needed it. Um, I'm the only person who's like depending on Evan Ingram anywhere. But that guy's had a really nice season. Go somewhat quietly. <laughs> 
He came into the week having caught like 11 of 12 targets, a little bit of chemistry between him and Lawrence. And he's just like one of those, he's one of those ways to get a a share of a pretty fun Jaguars offense. By the way, he, it's very tilting because, you know, you had him as a, you had him as one of your fantasy flyers on FFL this past week. So I get why you're, you're, you're still pissed about that. Somebody gave me on Twitter about it. I'm like, oh man, first of all, it's they're flyers. I'm not telling you. They're a flyer for a reason. We didn't put them in like my fantasy locks. That wasn't the name of the segment. They right. were flyers. And and second, he scored a touchdown. And isn't that crazy? Like he's th- here this close to be able be able to get a touchdown of those fantasy flyers. I had Moali Cox as one of my flyers in that segment one of the weeks I did it. So don't feel bad about yourself. Um, <laughs> and I guarantee you that knucklehead did not see that play, which like it, is, it certainly is your fault, Andy, that he didn't get that like. Right. Pinky toe inbounds or whatever. Um, but I was I just brought that up because I when when we were there was like going through the graphics and stuff before the show, we're sitting there Sunday morning. I was like, is that the wrong picture of Evan Ingram? He looks like a totally different human being because he's like <laughs> shaved his head and cut his yeah. and shaved his beard off and shaved his head. I was very tripped out about that because I was like, I had to Google like that. Oh no, that is he has changed his look now and, and he's catching the ball now. So maybe that long hair that he had before was too distracting. And that's why he couldn't catch the ball in New York. Yeah, you can you can imagine how and why Evan Ingram might want to reinvent himself. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, it's like when you get dumped by somebody and you like dye your hair yeah. or, you know, whatever. Like that's what Evan Ingram has basically done. Um, I hope I'm never down bad enough to ever want to like shave all my <laughs> hair and beard off. But. Whatever, Evan is working, man. It's working. It's working. And he's got like $9 billion in the bank to, to for this season to show <laughs> uh, to show for it. Let's move into kind of our last segments here. I, I don't think there's anybody really to advise like getting in early other than like we have Rashad White and Zamir White in this segment pretty much every week, Andy. So folks should be stashing these like upside backs, although it's going to get tougher with like the bye weeks coming up and stuff like that. It, w- it will get more difficult. So this is mostly like, you know, if you're in a if you're in a league with four bench spots really competitive you're not you're not going to be able to stash people for like you know six weeks down the road anything like that that's not really reasonable but i do think that whether it's tyler algier um rashad white zamir white like the answer is going to be one of these one of these young running backs who's just an injury away from being ranked top 20 top 24 um in any given week like uh, rashad white in particular is in a is in a really great situation and seems like a really good fit for tampa the other the other guy that i wanted to mention and i didn't get to him last week is um and this may not happen at all right but that's we, we're talking about stashes um malik willis would get really interesting in a hurry uh if either tennessee decides that they need to just flip the switch and and launch a malik willis era or if anything were to happen to Tannehill. Um, Malik Willis was like all of the reasons that we, that we thought briefly, he might be a first round pick were evident in the preseason, right? He rushed for over 150 yards in the preseason on barely any rush attempts, um, threw for over 300 yards. Like he was really fun to watch in the, in the preseason. Granted it was, it was preseason football and it wasn't, you know, there was a quality of competition issue and all that. Um, but he was really, really fun to watch. He was not fun to watch when he actually made his way onto a real NFL field, regardless of like the timing and circumstances of that game in week two, that wasn't particularly impressive, but he's, he's exactly the kind of dual threat quarterback who would make a ton of fantasy noise, even while not necessarily playing well. So if you're in a super flex of any sort, I feel like he should be on a roster. If you're in a league with like six bench spots, eight bench spots, I think he's a pretty worthy stash. I'll, um, I'll throw out Alec Pierce here for getting in early. Cause it's not as if he necessarily had like a 
big, big game or anything, but he did get five targets. Um, he ran 20 routes in the game, which is well south of like uh, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell's number two. By the way, Paris Campbell, he struggled to stay healthy. He never actually does anything when he's healthy either. So he's like, I don't know, the weirdest, the weirdest player in the NFL where there's still like five Paris Campbell truthers out there. And then like, <laughs> it's like, oh, he just needs to stay healthy. And then he stays healthy and he gets two targets. Like I, I used to be one of those truthers, but um, he's kind of been exposed this year now that he's, <laughs> now that he's actually right. been healthy. It used right. to be that you would be like, oh, but in that one healthy half of football, he had six targets and he caught four of them. Just imagine if he did that for a full season. Well, now you can't do that anymore because he's been healthy and nothing's happening. Yeah, nothing going on there. I think we need to see more of um, more of Alec Pierce going for because he brings a dimension to this team that that they really, really lack right now. So, uh, yeah, give me give me more Alec Pierce in my life, man. Um, let's move on to our drops here, Andy, and our hold on loosely candidates. Give me your drop this week. Yeah, my drop this week is um, the sort of cathartic drop that you can make before you even make an ad right you don't there doesn't have to be a corresponding <laughs> ad here you can just you can just drop carson wentz and you'll feel better for it your roster <laughs> will look better um we 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 all felt kind of kind of dirty picking him up anyway right because you yeah. know what you're getting with carson wentz it's not like he's been a fundamentally changed quarterback this year he was still putting the ball at risk a ton he was still making some ridiculous throws you're just getting you know he was surrounded by is surrounded by an incredible receiving core. These guys are really fun. Like Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, uh, uh, McLaurin all together. Like that's a really fun group. Carson Wentz is still Carson Wentz. He's coming off a total clunker of a performance and you just don't need to hold on to guys like this. Like you can just, you just remove him from the streaming equation for a couple of weeks. If you like, I, I do reserve the right to talk about him as a sleep, as a streaming option later in the season, but there's absolutely no reason to hold him onto your roster. He's rostered in like 70% of Yahoo leagues right now. Yeah, I mean, he has the Cowboys next week. Obviously, we're taping this before the Monday Night Football game, but the Cowboys defense, like Michael Parsons, uh, watch, watch the damn Eagles just get after his ass in that game. Like, Michael Parsons and the boys in Dallas are going to get after Carson Wentz in that game, uh, the, 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 their next matchup. So, like, if you're looking for a quarterback streamer, yeah, I'd rather go with, like, even if he's boring as hell, like Jared Goff, even if Geno Smith has no ceiling. I'd rather go with Geno Smith just because you don't want to have one of those clunkers in your starting uh, lineup this coming week. Yep. Um, my drops here, I'll go on the other side of George Pickens and say he's he's drop. I think Chase Claypool's the guy you could drop if you're really like hurting. Like if you're if, when bye weeks start hitting, I'd rather start a guy like J Zay Jones than Chase Claypool because as long as Mitch is the quarterback, like there's nothing good happening here other than Deontay Johnson's going to get double digit targets. And you're lucky if he catches eight for 84, like he did last week, which was just like, woohoo, I got eight for 84 out of Deontay Johnson. I feel like <laughs> that was a huge win. Um, so yeah, I, I just think like these guys and you, you mentioned it too, the schedule's not great. Like maybe when Kenny Pickett's back in there, but I'm not trying to keep these guys around for the juicy upside of a rookie quarterback, right? Like we've seen historically the rookie quarterbacks don't even necessarily elevate that many guys around them we're hoping that Kenny Pickett gets in there and saves like Najee Harris and um Deontay Johnson yes. I don't know that it's trickling yeah. that far down down the down the pecking order I like Claypool's usage in in that in that opening week that, that was so fun right like I I really yeah. thought we might be on to something there because I, th I think it was six he's had six targets in every game I believe and then a bunch of carries in week one and they weren't just all like, sweeps or anything like they were lining them up in the backfield like that, that was yeah. pretty cool. Like I could have gotten into that. Um, and then there's been far less of the, of the rush attempts. Um, those haven't necessarily been there. He's obviously, 
he's obviously a huge athletic talent, right? Like he's, um, you know, he's just in rare company in terms of like size and speed and vertical jump and all that. But it just, you know, he was a, he was a bit of a punchline of a player last year. I think he's been better this year and he seems like he's, you know, we we also saw him week one, like he was helping people line up correctly, right? Like he was doing things that I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking, I don't, I don't put that in Chase Claypool's uh, uh, bag of tricks exactly, but he seems like maybe he's taking it a little bit more seriously. Um, It's just a really, really unfortunate offense, the line, the quarterback, like it's just, it's just a bit of a mess right now. So I don't, I don't think it's possible for anyone to really distinguish themselves there. I got two more drops for you too. Naheem Hines and Jarvis Landry. I don't think you'll fight me on Jarvis Landry. Um, Chris Olave is going to be the best receiver on the Saints this year. I'm ready to I'm ready to say that too. I'd rather have Olave than than Michael Thomas right now. Um, Jarvis Landry's um massive week one feels like a distant memory from a past life um already at this point, based <laughs> on the way Olave's played the last two weeks. Uh Naheem Hines, man, I, I get it. Like you know, he is, he's just, he's so weird. He's the weirdest player ever because it feels like the coaching staff talks him up every off season, like as if they're going to get him involved in this cutesy little role. And then like, he either has 20 points or two points from just a raw fantasy total standpoint. And you never know when those 20 point games come in. It's not as if you can be like, okay, this is going to be like a, uh, they're going to be in catch-up mode. They'll be trailing against you know this the Chiefs or whatever. Oh, Michael yes. Pittman's out. Yeah. Like you can't call really it. get him. You can't, you can't it call it. You can't call it. So like draft him in uh, best ball because I guess those games will like he's got twenty points, three twenty-point games maybe throughout the course of the season, and you don't have to guess him in best ball. But in a seasonal league, I'm fine if you if you drop him because he also doesn't have like contingent value like a. Tony Pollard does if Zeke gets hurt or Alexander yep. Madison does because he's not going to be like a full three down back if Jonathan Taylor ever, you know, knock on wood, got hurt. Right. That That is the real problem here. He's not like a 25 touch a game guy like that just would not happen over any protracted period of time. It might have to accidentally happen in in any given game, but it would not be the plan for the Colts if anything were to happen to Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's too like it's too bad about Landry because I think Landry's a good player. Um, I don't know that the in fact, I'm fairly certain that the Saints are not exactly going to be able to keep three receivers, um, you know, uh, like as no doubt fantasy starters over the balance of the season. And then an, an injured version of, of Jarvis Landry, and he did get dinged in, in week three, is, is not somebody that you need to roll out there and not somebody that you need to keep on a roster. So like if, if Romeo Dobbs is available to you and Jarvis Landry is on your bench, that's, a, that's an easy swap for me. Yeah, makes sense. All right, some hold on Lucy candidates, Andy. Uh, all that trash we talked about Russell Wilson, or maybe it was just me to start the show. He is your hold on loosely guy this week. Yeah, I I guess I'd still roll with it. I'm not in this situation. This is I have a lot of fantasy problems this year, but Russell Wilson is not necessarily one of those fantasy problems. But I don't know that I think of him as fundamentally different. You know, we I, I was mentioning earlier that he's not if he's not going to run proactively, that he's the best case scenario for him is kind of Derek Carr, right? Like if you're really going to give me six, seven, eight rushing yards per game you've got to be great as a passer. Like you've got to be two, three touchdowns, 285 yards. And we just haven't, we haven't seen it yet. Um, he hasn't done it. He's not totally passing the eye test there. There might be something here in terms of, you know, we always talk about the NFL as a continuity league and Denver, you know, to your point, Denver was one of those teams that did not have continuity. Like say what, however excited you were about the Denver Broncos, it wasn't because they had continuity. They had, uh, they have a new coaching staff. They have a new playbook. They got a new quarterback. Like all the important stuff is new. And sometimes that takes a while and maybe Russell will turn it around. But again, if, 
if Russell Wilson is not looking to run, and I think you have a pretty interesting theory on that too, right? Like the idea that he doesn't necessarily want to be known as a, as a, as a guy whose value was tied to his rushing ability or anything like that. He wants to be, you know, a sort of winning pure pocket passer. And he's been a great passer throughout his career. This is not peak Russell Wilson right now. And no. if he's not proactively running, he's just not that helpful in fantasy. He's the QB 24 right now is Russell Wilson. Would you like to venture a guess who the QB 23 is, Andy? Oh, no. Is it Gino? Uh, it's Mitch. <laughs> oh, God. That's, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> hey, in fairness to Russ, Aaron Rodgers is 25. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're that's but that's the kind of company that, that he's keeping, which is like the pocket passers with you know, razor thin margin for errors at this point. Yeah. Um, and he's got two passing touchdowns as Russell Wilson. So yeah, it's not exactly juicy here at this point with, with Russ. Um, my hold on loosely candidates are the dolphins running backs and Jahan Dotson. Um, it's, it's John Dotson. Like he, he's going to have those clunker games. Like, cause Wentz is the, is a clunker quarterback. And he also probably has like the least fantasy friendly role right now. Cause they're just feeding the hell out of Curtis Samuel the ball in like the short to intermediate range. Where to the point that like I love Curtis Samuel, but like come on, you you don't need to be having his three yard a dot be the 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 focus of your passing game. Like if you're gonna target Curtis Samuel, maybe let it be six to seven yards or something like that. But I'd still hold on to Dotson because. I still think I mean, if, are, Matt, if Matt Harmon is like, whoa, this is maybe too much Curtis cool, Samuel, yeah. then it is definitely too much Curtis Samuel. It's not even just that it's too much Curtis Samuel. It's too much of like three yards down the field, Curtis yeah. Samuel. So um, like I love the wrinkles that they've got Curtis doing right now, and he's going to keep getting them. But I mean, come on, man, like you got to do a little more than that. But whatever. Anyways, uh, I think John Dotson still is worth hanging on to. He'll have his moments like I'd rather have a Jahan Dotson than like a Traylon Burks, even though Traylon Burks like gets so much pop in the fantasy world right now. And the Dolphins running backs, um, I do think are um, are oh. still worth holding on to. I know I get it. It's a rough committee, but like in the off chance that Edmonds gets hurt or Mostert get, gets hurt, like their run game will get better through the course of the, the course of the, the the year. It is just going to be tough. You can't pick between these two guys on a weekly basis, and it doesn't look like there's any sort of pattern there. I mean, I can already tell I'm going to get this backfield wrong every week. I got it spectacularly wrong in week three. I feel like I'm going to overadjust and get it spectacularly wrong in week four as well. Looking forward to it. Yeah, what a treat. I mean, Chase Edmonds gets the two <laughs> goal line carries, which is he's like he never gotten goal line carries in his entire life. Um, yeah. All right, Andy, our favorite segment here to end the show. The Treviso Babes League is on fire. Mom's <laughs> about to be 3-0 and this week, so things are going well for her. But, of course, we know why this is on the waiver show. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, my mom's fantasy league's first year she's been playing fantasy. She's a commissioner of this league, which has been a nightmare for me personally. People just get dropped left and right. I mean, George Kittle's on his third team this this year, uh, by the way. <laughs> 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 what a what a treat! So they, they just they, these folks just drop players left and right. It's it's insane. It's a good reminder that most fantasy leagues are never as cute and cookie cutter as our little bubble likes to likes to say they are. There's some wild stuff going on out there. So remember to check your waiver wires. But Andy, can you guess the player who hit my mom's uh who was dropped in my mom's league over the weekend, or I think it was actually late last week? Um, he was added to my mom's team and caused quite a bit of a controversy uh, actually on Saturday. Um, massive name wide receiver. Any guesses on who was dropped? Like massive name? Massive um, name. D Devante? No. I'll give you one more guess. Uh, um, 
You'll kick yourself hoping, if you don't if you don't get it. I was I was hoping there was going to be like a Devante for uh, Matt Collins sort of ad that went on in your. Hey, maybe somewhere. maybe um, this week, maybe this week. You never know. Um, is it is it is it AJ Brown? No, it was Mike Evans. Um, oh sure, sure. Yeah, because of course he was suspended. He's not going to play. So um, he hits you the waiver wire. You can't have character issues on your fantasy team. Any, no, yeah, that's a got to send a message. Yeah, so they they sent a message to Mike Evans. He was cut. Um, my mom picked him up because I've taught my mom how to. I've told her how to use the waiver wire, or really, I told her like, here's where you need to read and set your waiver wire settings as a commissioner, and that's about all I did. <laughs> so she picks up Mike Evans after after he gets cut. Um, uh, during the initial waiver period, so he he she claimed him on Saturday, and mom's like I said, Jen lost yet, so. But she didn't make any claims in the prior waiver period, so she went to the top of the list because everybody else has to add the, the latest dust balls of last week. Um, <laughs> and it caused quite a controversy to the point that um, somebody actually asked my mom, is Matt helping you claim these players? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I just do the podcast, okay? <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin to, to go into – the Treviso Babes League on the back end and screw with the waiver wire order to help my mother beat you people in fantasy football. So that's what's going on in the uh, Treviso Babes League. Right I love now. the idea uh, that yeah. these ladies who are probably such good friends and they meet for drinks and they meet for coffee and maybe they play oh, yeah. cards together, whatever, that like friendships may end over uh, over your mom's dominance of the waiver wire. Yes, and especially because I I happen to work for the company. My mom's like, he doesn't work on the game. I was like, I don't even know who to ask. I, I, I mean, I know a lot of our product folks, and they're they're wonderful folks. I wouldn't know who to who, whether it's Joe Nazaro or, or Depeche. I wouldn't know who to go to to be like, hey, can you do me a quick favor? Uh, <laughs> can you do me a solid and just I gotta I really gotta stretch this out and help my mom cheat in fantasy football because she's really got to show these ladies. Who's the boss? Like, I wouldn't even know what to ask. So that's that's just, we'll have to check in next week to see which super superstar gets dropped. I mean, Justin Jefferson, he hadn't done anything for two weeks. He's probably yeah. on the yep. he's on somebody's list. <laughs> so we'll see what DJ Moore. Oh, he's definitely getting DJ Moore is getting kicked to the curb hard in the Treviso Babes League this week. So hope you people enjoy uh, a, a reminder that not only will fantasy football, as Andy mentioned, destroys all of your good, you know, tight personal connections, but <laughs> there's some weird stuff that goes on in a majority of these leagues. So remember that as we talk, as you ever criticize uh, Andy for giving you waiver advice, like some of these people out here are wild, wild. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. I, I look forward to the, to the folks who tell me that Khalil Herbert has never not been rostered in their league. I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> never in my league, baby. All right. That is going to do it for us. Uh, you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We got to get a Izzy Twitter account soon so she can let you all know the Bears are two and one, baby. And it doesn't matter how many times Justin Fields drops back to pass while you're waiting for the Izzy Twitter account to hit. You can follow at Yahoo Fantasy for jokes and fun throughout the course of every NFL game. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. If you don't like the show, I'm not for everybody. Not everybody's for everybody. Andy's not for everybody. Izzy should be for everybody. So remember, you can just tell me that personally at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, and we can agree to disagree and move on from there. Chargers running back Austin Eckler will be back for a jammed packed episode of Eckler's Edge tomorrow. Until then, we're out.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.